capable bus. Stop. This book causes Satanism. What is left for us? There is nothing straight about plump Elvis. <laughs> Monocles are impractical, but I don't for a second believe that she is a striper. I mean, I'm definitely here for bisexual women. <laughs> that part seems pretty accurate, I suppose. <laughs> <That's true>. <laughs> <laughs> um, listeners, what you just heard is a transcription program's interpretation of the Gaily Prophet theme song. And the reason that you are hearing it is so that we can update you about our transcript system because we have a new one and it's very exciting. Do you want to talk about it? Do you want me to talk about it? No, I can talk about it. Uh, one of our wonderful listeners has ran the episodes of the Gaily Prophet and Escape from Reality that don't already have transcripts through a transcription software program. And so now there is some wildly inconsistent, but still somehow unthemed uh, transcriptions available. So if you like editing things for correctness or want to experience some of our awesome Patreon exclusive stuff, you can do that by uh, helping us out by uh, fixing one of the transcriptions and we will send you some of the Patreon exclusive things like our episode of The Queerbler, where Lark and I create fan fiction on the fly for you. And then also, We Are The Gayers app, if you are curious about that show, but are not being paid enough in this capitalist hellscape, you in fact can access it, access it with this uh, exchange. <laughs> Go to, uh, it's at hashtag ruthless.com slash transcriptions. Uh, it's also in the nav bar if you just go to hashtag ruthless.com. And the directions are all right there. They're all Google Docs, so you can edit as much or as little as you have time for. And we're just going to have you like change the color of the font when you get to the end of what you can do that day. And then once you've done what you feel is like a fair amount of transcribing for a Patreon trade, just email me with the Patreon thing that you would like to have access to. It's totally on our system. Previously, it was one Patreon thing per fully transcribed episode. You can use that as a litmus. Whatever. I trust you. But yeah, it's cool. And we're really excited because I think this is going to make it a lot easier and faster for us to have everything transcribed and available for folks. So thank you in advance. And big thanks to Tammy for making this possible also. Thanks, Tammy. Other thing before we get started, we have launched a ton of new merch Happy September. It's really rad. We have so much cool stuff. We have, by request, a My Vegetarian Phase Lasted Longer Than the Confederacy mug. One of Jesse's incredible pull quotes <laughs> from a recent episode. And I'm sure so true for a lot of us who, in our righteous anger, became vegetarians. Yep. Uh, we also, by request, now have a throw pillow that says throw your parents into the sun. We have some listener-submitted art by Ray. It's a illustration of Hagrid and a non-Voldemort Tom Riddle who got his basket of snakes when he needed it as a child. And uh, they are running Hagrid and Riddle's Danger Noodle Emporium. And it's very cute. We have greeting cards with those on. And then if you are also an Escape from Reality fan, we now have 
stickers and t-shirts, Escape from Reality stickers and t-shirts, a Merwolf shirt, and a Kiss Kill Improvise shirt and tote bag. And for maybe folks who are not listening to Escape from Reality, you should definitely listen to that so you can know exactly. I guess Kiss Kill Improvise is maybe sort of self-explanatory, but it is our much better version of uh, Fuck, Mary Kill. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and then while you're there, maybe join our sticker club because this month's sticker is Harry Potter inspired and great, if I do say so myself. That's right. Happy uh, September 1st. Support your uh, friendly neighborhood trans artist and never give money to any official HP merch. Thanks. Okay, thanks. We appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> and with that. Gay people love pop. I'm dead. We have to stop this podcast. Oh, this book causes Satanism. What is left for us to rant about? There is nothing straight about plum velvet. <laughs> you shouldn't have been drinking when I said that. <laughs> Monocles are impractical, but hot. I don't for a second believe that she is a straight person. I mean, I'm definitely here for bisexual Minerva McGonagall. Let's talk about Harry Potter. <laughs> Hello and welcome to The Gaily Prophet, a humorous yet ruthless podcast where two queer IRL witches reread Harry Potter and talk about it. I am America's favorite Griffin dandy, Lark Malachi Gray. And I am Griffin Dyke Extraordinaire, Jesse Blount. And today we are talking about Chapter 9, The Dark Mark, in which the Quidditch match is over and the whole sports camp is celebrating. The gang go to bed late, but are woken up in the middle of the night because some asshole drank too much and decided that this was the perfect place for a clan, I mean Death Eater reunion rally, complete with fantastical racialized violence, intimidation tactics, and all-around pointless terrorism for the fun of it. Arthur and the older boys were enough to help the clearly incompetent ministry deal with this domestic terrorism, while the twins, Ginny, and the trio hide in the woods. The twins and Ginny get separated from the gang in the confusion, and Harry, Ron, and Hermione end up going deeper into the woods. They end up at the wrong place at the wrong time because, unbeknownst to them, Barty Crouch Jr. is feeling himself and lets off a dark mark, throwing people even more into a panic. The minister arrives, and this Keystone cop routine is painfully, painfully relevant as Diggory, as Amos Diggory makes foundless accusations at Winky and Harry, Body Crouch Sr. is covering for his even his worst crimes, and none of the actual perpetrators of this domestic terrorism are caught. In the end, poor Winky is fired and ordered for Body Crouch Sr. to save face for his own fucked up actions. Body Crouch Jr. is on his journey to enact his own convoluted plan, and Harry really, 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 really needs to read a fucking book about Voldemort's MO. <laughs> Yep, and we start the newspaper off with today's headlines. Today's headline is uncomfortably topically relevant. Hundreds of Ministry of Magic employees act helpless in the face of a small handful of wizard supremacists. They sure do. <laughs> Just can't wait to talk about their utter, utter failure. All right, but first, but first, we turn to the front page where we talk about everything that doesn't go anywhere else. It occurs to me that how did Arthur end up getting out of working for this event? Because he's like, man, I'm glad I'm not working. And I'm like, I'm also glad for you because nothing is better 
than when you're not working and like everyone else you work with is working and you're like, cool, that's not me. But <laughs> it is actually, considering they have so many people on this, it actually is kind of incredible that he like isn't a part of any of this at all. True. Also because he's the only person who deals with muggles in the entire ministry. That's true. <laughs> they have to deal with muggles. This is a great question. Maybe this is another part of Ludo's coming through for him was scheduling him off somehow. Mm-hmm. So in that same little little minute there where he's like, I'm glad I'm not working. He says, I would hate to be the one who has to tell the Irish they have to stop celebrating. And I wrote, who are you? Their parents? What do you mean? These are a hundred thousand adults. What are you going to do? Let, let them... Why do they have to stop celebrating? Who says? Everyone's fucking wasting and having a good time. Right. Right. I've been to festivals. People don't stop celebrating. They go all night long. You know, you go to bed when you're ready for bed, but you don't get to tell other people to go to to go to go bed. That's not how that works. Yeah. Right. If it wasn't for witch supremacy, people would have, would have been partying all night. And they would have got up in the morning and they would have had their coffee full of booze, and kept partying until they all had to leave, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. Yep. All right. Um, when Hermione and Ginny leave their tent in the middle of the night, they are wearing night dresses, which I feel like seems like not a thing. I feel like either of them would wear as pajamas, so I won't discuss that. Huh. What is this, 1997? I mean, I just feel like Hermione's 14, 13, mm-hmm. 14... Because when I think of, like, kids in night dresses in, like, contemporary times, I imagine it's, like, little, little kids. Mm-hmm. And not necessarily a child who can dress themselves. I feel like pajama pants became a thing when I was in, like, late middle school, though. Which was, like, 99, 2000, somewhere in there. Because I feel like before that... And I don't think this was just, like, at home. I think this was also at sleepovers. It was just, like, really big t-shirts, essentially. Which is, like, kind of a nightdress. But that's also, like, what my brother was wearing. Yeah. I mean, I think that Hermione would, and probably Jenny would definitely just be wearing oversized t-shirts. Yeah. And I feel like part of it is I just feel like, at least in Ginny's case, I feel like we don't necessarily get a whole lot of, like, what she is wearing ever. Which is very funny. But Jeannie strikes me as a tomboy type. Yeah, so let's just assume that Harry is looking at this and being like, night dress. But in reality, they're just wearing like a giant t-shirt with like Taz on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I also just feel like night dresses makes you think of like there's like lace at the bottom. And I feel like neither Hermione or Ginny are lace at the bottom pajama people. No, if for no other reason, because that's scratchy. And Hermione is not dealing with anything that's scratchy. Yeah. Interesting. Do you suppose that we're supposed to think that Harry is wearing, like, a matching pajama set? I mean, he is still wearing his pajamas, but I highly doubt that. Unless, the only thing I could think of is if, and again, we don't ever really get into this, but if Hogwarts somehow provides pajamas for the kids, that is definitely what Harry and, honestly, possibly Ron are wearing. Mm -hmm. I mean, Ron's wearing whatever patched faded hand-me-downs from his brothers that he is the approximate size of yeah but harry 
does not strike me as a type to be like, I'm going to buy some pajamas, you know? No, for sure. I don't know why it bothered me so much. I was just like, really? <laughs> yeah. Sure? Do you know your characters? <laughs> <laughs> I think we can absolutely with 100% <laughs> assurity say that the answer to that is no. <laughs> uh, <whew. laughs> um, my next thing is for actually a question for our foreign correspondent because the Malfoys are always being described as drawling and I spent entirely too much time today trying to figure out what that means in a British accent because in an American accent to have a drawl is like Kevin Spacey in Midnight in the Garden of Good and Evil. It's like a Georgia, Louisiana type accent. Um, it's a very specific Southern accent. I don't know what that means in the UK and neither does the internet. I couldn't find it anywhere. So listeners from the UK, please write to me. And by write to me, I mean, please include a YouTube clip of someone that you would say has a drawl, talks like how you think Malfoy is supposed to be talking. I guess for whatever reason, I just have always maybe sort of imagined the sort of like lazy, fancy upper crust accent, sort of like what Bumblefoot Candy Cane has in Sherlock. But I don't know. I'll have to see if I can find an audio clip to describe what I'm thinking of. We will soon find out if that's it or not. Yeah. It's interesting because it does work because obviously I don't hear these characters in my head in British accents. So having the description of Draco drawling does make me hear him talking like a wealthy white Southerner from like Savannah <laughs> specifically. Incredible. And I think that's, I think that's how he should talk. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like definitely, um, definitely the right vibe. Yeah. Um, I can't remember if we've talked about this before, but we get pretty strong confirmation about Harry as a visual learner when he's talking about how Oliver Wood's squiggly diagrams really fail to convey what a Wonski faint is, Mm -hmm. which is like, yeah, squiggly, squiggly sport diagrams seem very confusing. I don't know how anyone knows anything from that. True. All right. I feel like this is me, like... I don't I don't know where to put this. It's just so the fucking ministry employees, they all operate in a circle, which sounds like some synchronized swimming level like you have to practice. But anyway, uh, and then they just stupefy into the center of the circle as soon as they've landed. Presumably, they don't even know if anybody's in the center of the circle yet. The kids duck. None of them get stupefied. We don't hear that these ministry employees have then all just obviously stupefied each other. Which is what should have happened. But somehow they did stupefy Winky, who's like off in the trees. Am I imagining this scene incorrectly or does this not make any sense? No, you're right. It really doesn't make any sense when you think about it. Um, I honestly thought it was weird that even just them ducking somehow. Because it's kind of like, it seems very like an ineffectual spell. All you gotta do is just like duck. And actually, the thing about Winky is actually a good question because I'm like, how the fu- how big are fucking house elves? So I don't know. But I think, yeah, I think the logistics of this don't make any sense unless also the ministry witches are also stupefying and ducking, which also just seems very awkward and not very efficient. But I mean, cops do love to use excessive force, so I can't say I'm surprised by this. <laughs> True. <laughs> True. 
Maybe they're so synchronized. They've practiced this so well that they land in a circle where they're staggered so that directly across from each person is a gap between people. Yeah. It would make sense for it not to be a perfect circle because standing in a perfect circle seems hard, really. I don't know. Maybe maybe it's a thing as a ministry employee you have to sort of... I mean, I guess I don't know how you practice not operating on top of one another in something like in some in a situation like this but what do i know nothing because the author decided not to tell us yeah all right it's your turn so for the most part uh arthur does a good job in this chapter he is sort of like the only sane person in a lot of these situations except at the very beginning when he's like me and the older boys are gonna go help the ministry all of you minors just go into the woods when in reality he should have been like bill or charlie Go with the kids. The rest of us will go. And I mean, obviously part of it is plot. It's all plot. But it seems almost like a correction. It seems like a huge oversight for him to be like sending the minors off by themselves, kind of unprotected. Yeah. And I mean, I know the twins are, you know, older, but I mean, they're like 17. No, because they're still in school. Because they don't pass the age line. Right. They haven't graduated when they leave school next year, so... Yeah, and obviously the twins are talented and, like, could definitely, for the most part, hold their own, but... But in theory, they can't use magic. They're not at school. Yeah, which, lol. So, yeah, right. so that whole situation didn't make any sense. It's just like... You're so right. Yeah, that was incredibly irresponsible of Arthur. Yeah. Um, Speaking of irresponsible people, my last point here is... <laughs> Ludo Bagman is a disaster of a human being. And I thought that the part where he apparates in after everything's already happened, like Winky's on the ground, whatever, and like sees all this chaos and whatever. And like, at first he's like, what the fuck's going on? And then he sees Barty Crouch and he's just like, hey man, why weren't you at the match? <laughs> like, it's just... What is happening inside that head of yours, Ludo Bagman? You're like, he's like a a dog that you look at and you're just like, there's nothing in there. Like, you are so cute and there is nothing inside. I just think... I think he's a himbo. Yeah. He is a himbo. But he's also so right for, like, walking all of a sudden being like, are you, are you guys kidding me? A house elf caught in the dark mark? Are you, have you guys been smoking what I've been smoking? Like, what? <laughs> are you kidding me? That's true. Enter audio clip of Spike saying, is everyone here very stoned? Anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, All right. So we get our first mention of Bobaton. And I have to say, honestly, if I went to Bobaton, I would also be like, look down at Hogwarts students because it's like, y'all fucking education sucks. (laughs) (laughs) You know what? Bobaton has not produced several Dark Lords that we know of. So true. <laughs> so really, who's winning? Who's winning there? Absolutely. Yeah, totally. I actually had a thing about Bobaton and editorials, but I'm just going to bring it in now. Do you think that it was in any way necessary for us to get mention of Bobaton here? No. Because it feels very awkward. Because it's summer 
Like, I don't know. Why are these kids looking for their teacher? That is weird. Yeah. You're right. That is real weird. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I read some, like, things on the internet and people being like, they're on a field trip. It's like, what? They're not on a field. Like, fucking Madame Maxime was not like, let me personally chaperone a bunch of fucking kids to the Quidditch World Cup. Oh, hell That no. is not how this classy fucking lady is spending her summer vacation. That is not true. What I could imagine is her going, not going to the match, and then hanging out with other fancy ladies and getting drunk. Because there's clearly sure, I, plenty of other internet. It's like, because you could just go and be like, I don't need to buy a ticket. I'm just going to, I'm going to buy a cheap seat. I'm going to mm-hmm. be here camping in my elaborate tent and hang out with my buds. I can see her going to the World Cup, just not with a bunch of fucking students. Oh, hell no. No. Yeah, that is weird. Yeah. It's like we needed the plant of like, there are other schools. And it's like, we could have gotten this a different way. Many different ways that weren't, like, lost students in the woods looking for their headmistress. Yeah. Though, I mean, if you're in a crisis, Madame Maxine does seem like a pretty rad person to be with in a crisis. True. Anyway, that was my one Bobaton thought. Um, What else do you have here? We also have this bit about Harry, like, loses his wand. Or does Buddy Crush take his wand? I don't remember. Mm -hmm. He took it when they were in the top box. I feel like there's got to be a better way of securing your wand for that not to happen. Besides in his pocket. Also, how do you fit something that's 14 inches in your pocket? Insert dick joke here. But (laughs) but actually, like the logistics of where you hold your wand is always bothering me. Because there's really not any description. Like no one has like holsters or like special pockets or I don't know. Something. Yeah. A little purse to put your wand in. Like anything. Yeah. They're, like, collapsible, like a telescope. And you go... <laughs> that would be so cool, honestly. It's so cool. I would break my wand so fast from just constantly fucking doing it over and over. Oh, yeah, same. Definitely same. One of the one of the kids showing off to the Vila's is like, don't listen to him. He's just a dishwasher at the Leaky Cauldron. You have magic. Why is anyone working as a dishwasher? What a great question. It's like a, uh, like a job creation program, like after the <laughs> Great Depression. <laughs> You're going to stand here with your wand out to like magically wash dishes. I mean, unless, I mean, maybe the Leaky Quadrant just have some really major uh, busy points, but that seems outrageous. <laughs> it does. You're right. All right. Then my last thing is... We get a line from Harry casually where it's just that, like, Hermione has, like, gotten on really well with Percy and probably best out of all of them. And I'm like, kind of wish we would have seen that. It's it's nice that Hermione hangs out with someone her intellectual equal. Mm-hmm. Slash same Virgo wavelength. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. God. That would have been really fun. Mm-hmm. Even just to have us hearsay... Where we could see Harry showing up at the burrow and Hermione's already been there for a couple of weeks and Ron could complain that she's been hanging out with Percy more than she was hanging out with him. That would be super funny. All they do is talk about books. Yeah, yeah. maybe you should open one. <laughs> 
Welcome to the education section where we talk about this goddamn school. We didn't go to school here, and yet I have an education point that I'm sure you also have, um, which is why don't these children know what the dark mark is and know what Death Eaters are? It makes no sense at all, number one. Especially for Harry. This uh-huh. this is literally your mortal slash trying to be immortal enemy. <laughs> if you read nothing else, it should be about what Voldemort's fucking bullshit is all about, you know? For real, yes. And they should have, they sh- this should have been, I don't know, they, no, they do, they have history class. I just, I was thinking about it and I was like, the fact that I cannot remember when I learned, like, what a swastika was and what it meant means that there was I was not of an age to like remember learning things when I learned that information. Yeah, definitely elementary school for me. I don't yeah, I don't remember exactly when, but yeah. Right. So like I mean potentially no, they're 14. They've been in school. They're about to go into their fourth year of school. They should have learned it in school. I was going to say maybe Harry just being like, "I don't care, I'm not going to read a thing and ever." But Ron should have known this since he was a child. The Dark Mark was cast over his uncle's home when they were murdered by Death Eaters. There's no way that he doesn't have this information. Now, the only thing I can think of since Arthur explained it to him in this moment is that since Voldemort is gone and a lot of people are like, cool, good good riddance, that maybe Arthur and Molly made a decision to like not tell their kids all the details can't i feel like i have this very strong sense that once a year on either like a birthday or the death day molly gets kind of drunk and you know just sits around and tells the story of her brother and his husband who were murdered by voldemort and talks about like you know when they whoever found them like saw the dark mark and whatever like the, ron would have grown up just hearing about this unless it was a thing where it's like oh you're too young and maybe and i mean i don't know but i mean having been an older sibling True. as soon as bill was old enough to learn the rest of the kids found out yeah (laughs) that shit just cascades parents try to control and it's like once you tell the oldest one it's all over from there yeah no i think you're right i think this is maybe a correction because yeah it doesn't make any sense and i mean at least in Binz's case he's definitely that teacher who it's like let's talk about ancient history and nothing about contemporary history i feel like i've definitely seen several tiktoks where people are talking about something fucked up that happened in the 80s or 90s and all these young people who are like wow i never learned this like how come i didn't learn how racist the 90s were and it's like because your teachers only went from like the 60s to whatever and didn't talk at all about the history of the past 30 years and it's like kind of important especially to say all of the things that are happening right now so Mm -hmm. yeah but shouldn't they have learned about it in Defense Against the Dark Arts or somewhere? Just some, like, they, I just feel like this is the kind of ambient information that, because, like. I, don't, I mean, 
Quirrell probably wouldn't have said anything because of Voldemort Lewin in the back of his head. That's true. Neither would have Lockhart. I feel like Lupin Lockhart should have. would, though. Wouldn't he, wouldn't he have some story about, you know, having rescued someone, you know, just in the nick of time? The Dark Mark already cast over their house. No, yeah, it, this must be just a huge oversight. Because it, it should have definitely came up when it's just like, serious Black, suspicious Death Eater escapes. And it doesn't come up at all. It's so true. It's very frustrating. And I am sure that there was a way to write this information in to give to us readers that didn't involve characters being clueless where they shouldn't be clueless. Yeah. For instance, cool, just off the cuff, like Arthur talking about having to explain to a witch from America what the, you know, thing meant, like what was going on. Like, it felt so weird to me that... They'd never heard of Death Eaters. Like, doesn't didn't the news like travel over the yep. overseas? That's so wild, you know. Mm-hmm. The American witches were like, "Oh, I didn't realize you guys had the clan over here, also." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh. What joke was I gonna make? Oh, the American witches are like, "Have you checked your wheat for this fungus?" <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the politics section where we talk about things that are fucked up. And as a note to everyone, uh, we're talking about police violence, racialized violence, uh, or U.S. specific racialized violence, much more than we normally do. Uh, So if you don't want to hear about the Klan or police brutality or the history of lynching, uh, you should probably skip this politics section. There will be in the show notes which minutes to skip. Yep. Um, my first note is just uh, holy police brutality, Batman. <laughs> uh, just like real cops, uh, everyone here is really just incompetent. These witches shoot like 20 stunners at three children. Yep. Um, they... None of the actually violent perpetrators are apprehended or punished in any kind of way. Um, and it's just, it's so, it's just, it's so many, it's so many layers. Like, and then we have what Amos Diggory is doing and then what Body Crouch Sr. is doing, which is just the most fucked up shit. Uh, and also just the most, I mean... Like, what Body Crouch is doing, where he is punishing Winky partly for his pride and partly to cover up for the even humongous, this, like, humongous crime that he has committed. Like, this is, like, straight-up cop shit. Like, this is what cops do all of the time. Like, the statistics of how much police seize in in vaguely legal seizures is, like, millions of dollars. The amount... The statistics about cops who are, like, perpetrators of, like, domestic violence and sexual assault is, like, mind-boggling. And here we have Buddy Crouch, who is like, oh, you should know me that, like, I am a staunch, like, I hate people who do dark magic. When you are hiding your son, who is a magical racist, and, I mean, like, going to Azkaban... 
Terrible idea. Azgrad is terrible. Keeping him confined to your house? Also not great. I mean, something needs to happen with Bobby Crouch Jr. And what you're doing is not it. And mm-hmm. also, you're breaking several laws to do this thing. Just, you, like, without a thought. You're just, you're just maintaining this facade of being a, like, upstanding, strict, hard-on-crime cop. When it's... You're, you're literally committing worse, worse crimes than, like, even what is happening here. And there's some real, pretty shitty things happening Mm-hmm. yeah the way he just like bullies his way out of out of the situation is it's just so corrupt and it's wild because amos Degre is being so terrible but also is the only person there who's trying to do like what real police work should look like in this situation for instance talking to all of the witnesses and maybe keeping the evidence and fucking Arthur and Barty Crouch together are like, no, 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 no. Give Harry his wand back. Let, like, leave the elf alone. You know, Arthur just through being, I think, ineffectual or something. And then Barty through being like, how dare you fucking accuse me? Blah, 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 blah. And it's like, this sucks, man. And then Amos himself, you're like, I hate you. Stop talking to that elf like that. Like, you are the fucking worst. Yeah, I mean, he's essentially just like real cops badgering the witness for a false confession yeah he is and y'all the amount that police do this for false confessions is also outrageous and he can't even use fucking winky's name like bro are you fucking shitting me yeah amos diggory fucking sucks he sucks so bad right and then like body cross senior is like even though winky has protected your fucked up secrets for 12 13 however the fuck many years like you're like your shitty secrets and your son's shitty secrets like for what and you're just like ashley i'm gonna fire you are you shitting me (sighs) yeah before we move into winky though i think we also need to talk about like the utter failure of these ministry employees to actually deal with the wizard supremacy rally turned fucking hostage situation that is occurring because there are apparently minimum 500 ministry employees here but assuming all the ones that weren't the task force are also here that means like a thousand ministry employees are here and there's like what tops maybe 30 people and they're like they might drop those people i'm like dumbledore saved harry from falling off his broom from a fucking height all by himself and that happened in a split second like you guys can't fucking do a cushioning charm what are you talking about you know i have this in corrections but i also call bullshit on this especially because for me what stands out the most is that they're at a fucking quidditch world cup are you not telling me not a single fucking athlete couldn't have gotten on their broom to get those people that no Mm. the fuck is that you could have gotten fucking Oliver Wood up there to grab some folks. You could have rung up, like, the Irish team is still awake. Like, get them on some fucking brooms, rescue these people while you arrest, right, Howard, like, a dozen Death Eaters. Really? We couldn't think right? of a plan. Are you shitting me? And it, I mean, and it sounds like the plan was, I don't know, get in fist fights with them. Cause I don't understand why Percy and Bill and Charlie are all bleeding at the end. I'm like, what did you do? Just, there are so many of you and so few of them. And it just feels very like, you know, 
there was an active shooter at the fucking Proud Boys rally in Portland last weekend. And like one guy got arrested after the fact, but the cops weren't really there. And it's like, that's because all the cops are Proud Boys. And so maybe all the ministry employees were like, oh, I don't know who I'm going to find in there. And I like yeah. don't really want to know who I'm going to find in there. Right. They might be paying my paycheck. Like maybe I should just like wait till they stop or something. Like, you could have thrown some fucking tents at them. You know what's hard to do when you can't, if you have a cloth over your head. Like, literally anything. <laughs> so many options. So, I think you're right. I think it was just like, oh, man, but, like, if we finally just mouth for it, he's not going to give money to the ministry anymore. I mean, like, McNair is probably in there, and he's their co-worker. Yeah. And, of course, Fudge is probably like, oh, well, I'm doing anything too hasty, you guys. Yeah. They're just using the, like, don't drop the muggles as a just utterly just unbelievable like so unbelievable excuse yeah i actually do forgot i have a whole section about the death eaters too and the imagery of the death eaters which i guess we can go into or yeah let's do it i guess part of what of course stands out to me is the like visual and narrative parallels between death eaters and the clan Mm -hmm. um obviously like hooded and masked domestic terrorists who are harassing a maligned group of people is pretty... I mean, like, you really can't get more clear than that. Mm-hmm. And it's, of course, like, all the, like, bullshit about... Right, they probably just did get drunk and decide they're gonna put their fucking Death Eater hoods on for a good old time to harass people for fun, which, which sounds... they brought them with them. Huh? They travel with them, apparently. Yeah. And I don't know. And I think part of it is that in the chapter, there's a little bit of a question about, like, why is this happening now? And part of me is like, I mean, there's historical evidence of lynchings being a party. Like, they would sell food and take photos and there are postcards and people would collect the most gruesome souvenirs from the lynching. So it's kind of like... The fact that the Death Eaters are like, we're already celebrating. We might as well go torture some muggles. This is like a good time. Makes sense to me because they're supremacist dickbags who want to like strike terror and psychological horror to people. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is also what a lot of like neo-Nazis, the Klan, like the Proud Boys, the, those fucking white dudes with guns at the border trying to act like they're sheriffs and shit. Like they just want to spread fear among the people that they think are less than them right you know yeah i mean it people get off on power i guess and like power and terror and also the sort of sense of like well my society still kind of condones this so i don't have to actually feel afraid and i mean the fact that we get this here where amy's degree is treating winky like She's not a thinking, feeling being. Right. And the sort of casual way that these, that the guy who owns this land has been obliviated multiple times. And it's, right. so there's already sort of a like passive, like, we don't really care about muggles and people who aren't witches anyway, which is sort of like in the yes, it's like we sort of don't care about anyone who isn't white and like able bodied and like rich or middle class or well, really rich. So it's sort of like once you know that and you're like, I can just harass these people who aren't whatever the dominant culture is with without any consequences. People are going to do that because people fucking suck. <laughs> yeah. And like, that's 
basically what's happening here. Like all of these people, all these Death Eaters get off scot-free for torturing these muggles. Yeah. So, and everyone's just like, oh, what should we do? Like wringing their hands. And it's like, get a fucking broom. Find someone's illegal flying carpet. Literally anything. So, so many options. Yeah, it's it's only, the only possibility is like, intentional choice to not actually apprehend any of these people yeah because it's not like they were gonna start killing people with a hundred thousand goddamn people around them you know yeah yeah it's i feel like there's a conversation to be had here about like jk rowling's decision to sort of borrow all of this from the u.s and like mix it in with her sort of like whitewashed idea of like the world war ii narrative that sort of eliminates the anti-semitism from the narrative and turn it into this like thing that then just never gets the kind of examination that it needs to be given yeah and maybe it just feels a little bit irresponsible to half-ass it i guess Mm -hmm. um i mean kind of like the whole thing with the house elves and slavery is very half-assed and just feels like you shouldn't even try to do whatever the fuck you're trying to do here definitely yeah did you have more stuff about the imagery and stuff uh no i guess that's really it um so house elves house elves this is really the first time we get hermione connecting the dots about how shitty house elves are being treated she directly calls it slavery and you know, we get a little bit of a response from Ron to be like, well, they're not human, like, whatever, who gives a fuck? And I think part of it is that, like, this is what I'm sure a lot of witches think. Like, he has grown up in what I guess you can consider a more, like, liberal-leaning witch household. And even, he, and, like, author clearly cares about, like, elf rights. But even Ron is still like, whatever, they like being enslaved. Whatever, they're not people. We don't have to treat them like their people and i mean i and i super appreciate hermione calling out this witch supremacy because it's bullshit Mm -hmm. but it's also like clearly something that ron has never thought twice about because he's grown up in this culture where that is what everyone is saying right you know and for all of those of you that were wondering there are in fact places in the united states where kids are being taught that enslaved folks are were in fact happy and better off being enslaved because this country is a whole dumpster fire. It sure um, is. And that is very incorrect. Very deeply incorrect <laughs> assessment about being enslaved. Which makes the fact that the house elves don't seem to have any, except for Dobby, like thoughts to the contrary about their enslavement, like super, super disingenuous and just like fucked up. Because... You can't be like, slavery is wrong, but also this like, oh, but the house elves really don't want to be freed. And it's like, yeah. what? Excuse yeah. me? And we'll get into that, of course, more once we get into spew. But it's like, you sh- like this shouldn't have even been part of the book if it was going to go down this way. No, it's it's definitely one of the most cringe parts of the series is the way that she constructed this whole house elf thing which is saying something because there's a lot 
of cringe stuff in this series, but like I love I love seeing Hermione like see this injustice and be like, absolutely not. I just wish that it went anywhere besides yeah. Hermione being turned into a joke. Yeah. It could this could have this could have been cool. Like Hermione and Dobby could have like teamed up and like fucking rewritten the laws. And we never ever could have met a an elf besides Winky who was like, no, I love it. Right. You know? The rest of the elves could have been like, yeah, please. Wages and time off. Great. Right. Or like any sort of reason for why this situation like you could have had a variety of elves have a variety of different ideas about what's going or on. Or they could like be controlled by like terrible ancient spells that have been happening like in perpetuity and being fed by witches who whatever whatever and thought it was fine because the spell made them happy and then they like find it and break the spell and all of a sudden everyone has to come face to face with what they've been doing right whatever the options were the one that she went with was not the not the one yeah and i feel like and i was thinking about this today because you know i was 14 when this book came out and i've always been a, a hermione fan and I feel like when I first read this book, this felt a little bit like my other childhood hero, Lisa Simpson, who was also full of righteous anger about like the environment and vegetarianism and sort of like and like unions and kind of like the like the correct moral way. And the author really could have gone with right magical environmentalism, magical vegetarianism like any kind of 90s hot button issue you could have made work in this magical setting right like why the fuck are they are they cutting dragons for wands like be against not doing that you know as opposed to this sort of crusade that doesn't go anywhere and the book makes it seem like it's actually not a very it's not the correct choice to like not the correct path to be on Right. Which is just so shitty, you know? Like, part of what makes a character like Lisa Simpson so great is that it's like, yeah, like, we should be protecting the environment and we, you know, really should, you know, have unions and stuff like that. And it's like, Lisa Simpson is in the right, but she lives, like, she's correct, but she lives in a small town full of people who are small-minded and that's sort of part of not the that's sort of part of the joke and the struggle is that like her versus ignorant conservatives in her small town which you could have easily made Hermione have a similar narrative journey in this book but that's not what happens at all like you leave the like you finish the book you're kind of like Hermione you're kind of barking up the wrong tree like they like being slaves which is again a terrible message to and also just not a good look for Hermione as a character. Yeah. I've been thinking too, you know, it's it's also like not her struggle. Like it's really important for her to be outspoken about it. But she actually, since she has Dobby, Hermione's job here as someone who is like really fucking upset about elf rights should have been to be like, Dobby, what do you, like, what do you need? What do you want? How can we, 
unionize you know assuming dobby's been out there trying to unionize the elves like she should have been working to support dobby as the like leader of whatever was going to happen as opposed to trying to like i mean we'll see the way that she goes about it is treacherous like it is deeply unkind and that's not the you know it's the opposite of the point yeah it's like all the mean things that people say about nonprofits when it's like a bunch of like middle class white people are like i'm gonna go in and like fix quote unquote underprivileged schools or help under quote unquote underprivileged people and it's like she's gonna come in here with a solution that you think will work but not ask anyone if that's gonna work and then when it doesn't work she didn't ask anyone if this if this is what they needed you're like oh it's just that poor black people are the worst and they're not compliant and they just want to stay in poverty or whatever the fuck bullshit because that's and that's just what Hermione comes off as it's just like a neoliberal like nonprofit coming in and be like you guys want to be free and it's like actually we want time off I don't know what the fuck elves want and neither does she and neither does hair like no one knows right what a mess <laughs> a lot more in this chapter and we get to talk about that a lot more before the book is out so we should probably move on all right do you want to go to editorials actually just think that we have to point out that we pass some goblins cackling over a sack of gold unperturbed by the proud boy rally that's taking place in the camp so noted yeah i assume these are the gro- these are the goblins that bagman rips off and is subsequently trying to avoid yeah i'm sure we just had to see them so that there would be that story continuity but yeah. like did we really have to see them cackling and like uncaring about the fucking witches fleeing in terror i mean i don't know considering the witch goblin relationship it's sort of like i wouldn't give a fuck either if i was a goblin uh, you know what that's fair <laughs> <laughs> the cackling over the gold part though seems yeah it's a, it's a bit not, much not great yeah Welcome to Editorials, where we rant about stuff. As if we have not been ranting all of this entire As <laughs> if, yes. Oh, do you want to start or you want me to start? I talked last, so you start. All right, so I was, I was thinking about when Harry and the rest of them first see all those muggles being tortured. Ron has like what seems like a very passive response. He's like, oh, that's kind of sick. And it's like, this is horrendous. What the fuck are you talking about? And so I was thinking about it more. And I'm just kind of like, oh, all these kids are just dealing with this scary, traumatic thing differently. And I think Ron's, how Ron is dealing with it is he's just shut down. Mm. Like he's, I think, maybe cut off from his emotions. Because it seems like a weird response to seeing this really terrible, scary thing. And... I mean, Harry and Hermione are both kind of like hypervigilant, high alert with what's going on, which is where the Harry didn't realize he didn't have his wand until like way later. Like they're in the woods and he's just like, where the fuck is my wand? That is weird. But I just wanted to bring that up because I think that like, I don't actually think Ron was being shitty. I just think that he is like processing what is happening by not processing anything really at all right now, which I'm like, I mean, mood, honestly. So... Yeah, and he doesn't have, I feel like if Ron is not in fear for his own life in the way that Harry and Hermione are, he might be also sort of like processing more slowly 
So he's just sort of looking at it and like taking it in and being like, what the fuck? Whereas Harry and Hermione have this history with the Death Eaters that for them is like, see the thing, realize who's doing the thing, like recognize that there's danger, get the fuck away. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm also sure it's probably really overwhelming because as of right now, like half of his family, literally half of his family has run directly into the fight, Mm -hmm. you know, and like... That's a lot to take in. It's like 3 a.m. It's just like, what an emotional roller coaster you've been on for the past like five hours. Yeah, for sure. So I think that, so yeah, I think there's a couple of times where it's like Ron's coming off as callous, but I'm just like, he's just checked out. He's just yeah. still trying to figure out like, cause what? Cause like, this is like a thing you don't suspect, especially when you're like 14 and, like, you've been in this amazing once-in-a-lifetime game with, your, like, your best friends, like, your brothers, and you're just having a great time, and all of this shit happens. You're just, yeah. like... It feels a little bit like when I was live watching the, like, terrible white supremacist storm the Capitol, and you're just like, what? What am I... What's going into my brain? What is happening right now? And you're just like, what? Mm-hmm. It's like... Not the spinny wheel of death, but the kind of like, 414, this pitch hasn't loaded, because what? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, just a little bit of trauma processing. <laughs> Good times. Uh, my first editorial is much lighter. Okay. And it is about the fact that a hundred sacks of galleons a year is a meaningless quantifier of the amount that you make in a year. What size is the sack? Fucker. What does that mean? Did you put each galleon in a sack? Because then that's not very much money. What is this? God damn it. I mean, if it's a, is it a pillowcase? Is it like one of those like leather little things you can get for your tarot cards? Like, yeah, really? That's like a sack could be, could be a laundry bag. Full of galleons, you know? Do you think there's, like, a standardized sack? Is this a unit <laughs> of measurement? It's, like, a, st- a sack issued by Gringotts? Honestly, maybe, <laughs> considering how nothing about their money or finance or, like, ec- economy makes any sense. Maybe it is just, like, here's your standard leather sack. <laughs> it bothers me so much. I mean, this is a continuation of our complaints from the last chapter where Harry's measuring things by how many cathedrals could fit inside, where it's just like, these are meaningless. Please choose, be specific. How much money is this child claiming to make as a dragon killer? Which don't kill dragons. You'll open a portal to hell. It's a bad look. Right. Also, the dragons are just chilling. They're just apex predators. Leave them be. Please. I don't know. I just want to be like, Obviously, like, spartial reasoning and imagining and, like, definitely, like, anything involving numbers, not everyone's strong point, but just fake it. Like, ask someone literally anything besides yeah. being, like, a sack of gold. And I'm like, what does that mean? Yeah. When, you're, when your job is creating an entire fictional world, your job includes outsourcing for things that aren't your strong suit, including how... Does this world clarify how much your salary is when your unit of money doesn't make any fucking sense? Yeah. I would, you know, if I write a fantasy series, someone else is going to have to draw the map because, like, I don't fucking understand anything about that. There's a 
a full error message in my brain when I try to think about where things are in relation to other things. That doesn't mean that I just get to not know where anything is in my world that I've created. Oh man, I love a fantasy map. Why doesn't this series have a fantasy map? Every fantasy series has a map on the end pages of the book. What the fuck? No maps ever of Hogwarts? I don't know. I guess all all I have are... God, that sounds so fucking pretentious. All I have are first editions and they're like, besides the little illustrations at the beginning of each chapter, we don't get like a map of Hogwarts or a map of Diagon Alley. Like any other no, fantasy any other fantasy author, you would have had that shit. That's true. Yeah, you're right. There's even a map in The Princess Bride and that's like only half actually a fantasy story. Yeah. I mean, there's like a map of Fillory, which you don't even really need in The Magicians, but you still have true. it. Yeah. So I guess Harry wouldn't know this because he is a minor, but everyone's wasted. So like, is there like a beer tent? Is everyone just BYOB? I'm just very curious where all of this alcohol is coming Hmm. from. Yeah, there's a beer tent, I decided. Okay. Several. There's little alleys of food and beer and stuff for sale, like at a regular festival. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if I actually, we, I might have already complained about this the first time we met Stan Sean Pike, but in case I didn't, it's really, 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 really fucked up that uh, authors and TV writers and whatever are so insistent on writing having really bad cystic acne as like a sign of nerdiness or in some other way being not cool, because uh, that's literally just a thing that people's bodies do. I hate it. Yeah, like I'm 35 and my face has always been blue. So I am on testosterone, so <laughs> same. All right, so Draco was like, "Oh, if my parents were out there, I wouldn't fucking tell you." Um, it's only Lucius. Only Lucius because Narcissa is clearly at home because there is no fucking way she would have allowed Draco to endanger or embarrass or get arrested in like the middle of the night there's no fucking way she would never lucius is wasted and he's like draco i'm gonna go out with my death eater friends you can just do whatever <laughs> draco's like cool i'm gonna go hang out in the woods and see how many of my classmates i can harass i don't know like <laughs> do you think there's enough of an abuse dynamic between lucius and narcissa that if he was like no we're doing this she would be like i have to i don't know because I guess, yeah, the other option is that she, like, apparated home and Lucius and Draco decided to stay. I mean, if Narcissa, if Narcissa didn't want to, like, sleep not in her bed, which I feel like I empathize with mm-hmm. as someone who does not like not sleeping in my own bed, I think you could you could read that. I mean, you could also read it as a, like, right, Lucius is do whatever the fuck he wants to regardless of her feelings, which could also work because... I mean, they definitely have a arranged marriage because they're in this, like, very teeny upper crust, like, lifestyle vibe. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, both her and Bellatrix marry into these, like, old pureblood families. Are these love matches? Who knows? I don't know. And I mean, as we get later, Narcissa is willing to do a lot of shit to fucking protect Draco. Yeah. You know? And, like, she's not also being, like, oh, and my husband also. <laughs> right. So, I don't know. It kind of, I guess it kind of depends on how you're reading 
how much agency you're reading Narcissa and having. I mean, I guess the the thing is, or the options are, she's either out there with a hood on, or she would be in the, or she's at home because otherwise she would be in the forest with Draco if it was just Lucius. Yeah, and she was still at the campsite. I guess I just, I guess I just don't know if. I think that, like, Narcissa just doesn't strike me as a, like, oh, yeah, I'm totally down for Voldemort's cause as much as a, like, he's saying the racist things that we believe in, but I don't necessarily want to go out and, like, torture muggles. Like, I'm a classy lady, (laughs) you know? (laughs) Yeah, that feels very accurate. So, so, I mean, I think she's at home, like, asleep. She's going to wake up and be like, the fuck did you do (laughs) Yeah, headcanon accepted. I think that's right. Um, I want to know why these children just kept going further and further into the dark woods until they were away from everyone instead of, like, grouping up with a bunch of other kids and just waiting. Like, did no one ever teach them how to be lost? Like, as soon as they got separated from the twins and Jenny, they should have been like, supposed to stay right here until someone finds me that's what you do when you're lost what are what are they doing i wrote group up with the other kids you weirdos i know hang out with the bubbleton kids or even like hang out with the velas you know who that these aren't gonna fucking kill some hot velas it's true <laughs> <laughs> oh that's true yeah or even just stay hover in the proximity of other kids like this is weird weird decision making yeah yeah, I mean, going deeper into the woods in the middle of the night where you can't hear anything seems just as horrifying as what's happening. Yeah, totally. And like, what are y'all going to do? You only know 30-year spells. <laughs> like, Yeah, well, Hermione knows more, but... Hermione knows more in theory, not necessarily in practice, is what I, True. Would, say, is what True. I would say. Welcome to the health and science section where we talk about magic and science and magical science. Um, my first one is how do they recognize a mudblood? Because Draco says, if you think they can't spot a mudblood, blah, 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 blah. I'm going with this is not a our society is tiny and we know everyone thing because there are 100,000 people here. And so if he really means it that they could spot Hermione, that means that they would not be like, I don't recognize that kid. They're probably from a different country. You know, mm-hmm. one of hundreds of other countries that are all have people here. So I just, I mean, for a second, want to just go ahead and go with the assumption that they actually could look at Hermione and know that she's in mudblood. Is there, what are, what are they seeing? What are they sensing? What's happening? I mean, if they're sensing anything, if they're seeing anything, it's just going to be the way that she looks, what she's wearing, perhaps. Kind of like how rich people have these sort of social norms that the rest of us either don't know or, like, definitely don't care about, but they would know, maybe. Mm. Yeah, like, say Hermione's in, like, her e-spirit jacket and an oversized Taz t-shirt. Like, she's not dressed as a witch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Or, like, maybe if she was a pure blood witch, she'd be wearing her hair different or it'd be cut in a certain way or because of whatever bullshit societal norms with how you're supposed to conduct yourself as a, like, pure blood upper class witch. I mean, those are, I mean, those are kind of the biggest things that, like, I could think of because I feel like beyond that, you, like, you wouldn't 
you wouldn't fucking know. No, it doesn't. It doesn't make any sense that they could even for them to be able to spot a muggle. Like, yeah, I mean, they just they just knew that this that this guy was a muggle because it's on Muggle Land and his his house is right there. You know, he's the only right. house for miles. Yeah, like you don't need to do much deducing to figure that out. But right. yeah, but yeah, and also you're right. I mean, this is an international event. Just whatever, whatever signifiers for you know UK pure blood bullshit is not going to be the same in the US or in Japan or like in any other numerous countries that are here. Right. I mean, I think part of it is just Draco just spouting racist bullshit. Yeah. I mean, I think that that's, that's probably the best assumption is that what, what he's saying is just incorrect and he's just being a terrible bully. Yeah. Yeah, I just wanted to like, I just wanted to explore the idea. Is there anything that he could possibly mean that to be true by? And I think the answer is no. Yeah, I mean, it wouldn't make any sense that it'd be like, I can perform this spell and no, because that's not how racism works. Like, it's all all arbitrary bullshit. I mean, arbitrary bullshit with real life effects and consequences. But again... Go on TikTok and look at biracial people who you would never know they were biracial. Because all of the quote-unquote signifiers of what people think a black person should look like, they don't have. You know? Right. Like, all, it's all, this is all, it's all arbitrary. It's all just bullshit made up by colonial capitalists to keep us all down. Yeah, totally. And Draco here is just regurgitating shit that he's heard from Lucius. And... Possibly Narcissa, because like obviously she's not any less of a fantastic racist either. She's not literally out here in a hood, waving her waving her wand around. But right. I don't think she's ever questioned the society that she's grown up in. No, definitely not. Especially when you benefit, quote unquote, benefit. You know. Yeah, it keeps her and her family in positions of power. Yeah. Even though those positions of power are just like not actually threatened, I feel like the this like system of supremacy doesn't really stand up to a lot of scrutiny because it like there's always a perceived threat the threat is usually non-existent but there's always a perceived threat but there doesn't even seem to be a perceived threat it's more just like i don't like you you know it's not like you're gonna there's gonna suddenly be so many muggle-borns and they're gonna take all of our jobs or they're gonna like breed with our youth or whatever it's like there's always there's always the same amount you know it seems like a pretty consistent genetic mutation yeah clearly no muggleborns work at the fucking ministry they're not taking anyone's jobs like what are, what is the quote-unquote rationale someone is benefiting and maybe the benefit is keeping pure blood women out of jobs and at home pumping out pure blood babies or like i don't fucking know like it's yeah, I guess maybe the anti-muggle sentiment is coming from which is not wanting to be in hiding anymore, which honestly is like a reasonable thing to want. That's just been enacted in profoundly unreasonable ways by both Grindelwald and Voldemort. Mm-hmm. And so maybe muggle-borns are just some sort of scapegoat because they get to like straddle both of the worlds. Right. And I don't know, at least from what we have seen in these book series more powerful than the pure blood wizards which is which could be because they're not as inbreeding as much considering all the pure blood seem to be 
uncomfortably closely related to one yeah, it's totally. Like, uh, I know you guys don't have science, but... <laughs> you actually don't need science for that. I'm pretty sure every culture going back into perpetuity has had a cultural taboo against close breeding close family breeding because and yet and yet somehow so many monarchies are all about that and to the point where they are all whatever ones had all that hemophilia russian is the russian royalty all the hemophilia no it's the british british yeah yeah so really you just get to a point where you just think you're better than everyone and the only way to conserve your power is to is incest yep um so i mean not not really a great high ground to be no. I feel like, like you're justifying that, but somehow muggle boards are the problem. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Whatever. Yeah. They really need to set up a uh, like exchange program with other countries at the very least. Like expand your gene pool just a little bit. A little bit. <laughs> just, a, just a smidge. <laughs> uh, yes. What do you have? Uh, Alma thinks are about velas, which, cool. uh, number one, we see these three velas pretty unbothered by the chaos. And part of it is that, again, maybe they're magical allure's protection. Because as we know from these books, there don't seem to be any female Death Eaters besides Spellatrix. Mm-hmm. So maybe they're like, either these Death Eaters are going to come and they're going to fall instantly in lust with us or we're just gonna have all this our meat shield protect us or they will light them on fire <laughs> so really these these <laughs> these villas have nothing to worry about they're all set in their magical protections and i'm like good for y'all yeah for real <laughs> oh man i love villas yeah they're great um i have a villa thing but sort of sort of a ron thing um so ron consistently much much more affected by vila than anyone else that we see Mm -hmm. so at first i was like so maybe ron is like i mean obviously he's bisexual but maybe he's like you know 94 percent attracted to women and like six percent guys whereas harry is maybe like 90 percent attracted to guys 10 percent women and so he's like Meh, on the Vila. But then someone on Instagram on our Is Victor Crumb a Vila post was like, that makes sense because it like explains Ron's reaction to Victor and how he feels like so torn about like whether he's jealous of Victor or Hermione mm. when they're dating. And so now I'm like, is Ron just like further into puberty than Harry and Hermione? interesting and so he's just hornier like basically ron is just like 14 and horny and these vila are like really having an impact on him and harry's harry and hermione are like just edging into puberty maybe actually i had a bit of a different read on ron being more affected which is it brought up a question of does because as i mentioned earlier i think that both uh harry and and hermione are responding to this trauma by being like super hyper vigilant and i'm like does anxiety are like hyper vigilant or just a super like not like a horny aroused state but a like fear vigilant aroused state does that somehow counteract whatever the vila allure magic is 
Because Harry is just like, he's just looking at this almost objectively, what's happening. And like nothing about the villas is, a, is affecting him. Um, but I'm kind of like, this is a super stressful situation. I'm surprised anyone's feeling horny right now. <laughs> so, um, so I don't know. But Harry never gets affected by Fleur. And Ron does constantly. That is true. So I feel like maybe, and it seems like the Vila really get to Harry when they're like doing their their thing, right? They're like dancing and he's like, yes. But maybe he just, maybe he's just not there yet in terms of maturity or hormones or whatever. That just, you know, casual Vila encounter is not enough. Yeah, that's also a good point. I feel like I believe that for Ron. And especially since I think Ron has so much... I mean, I don't know. I guess I don't know how much, like, childhood trauma impacts your libido as a teen. But, like, Ron, comparatively, is so much less burdened by trauma than... I was horny as fuck as a, like, 13, 14, 15-year-old, so... Yeah, I guess fair. Me too. So, maybe not... Yeah, I don't know. Maybe, yeah, maybe Harry and Hermione just aren't at that place yet. And I think that also kind of tracks with what we see with Ron and Lavender in the next book. Oh, yeah, I thought that was book six. Yep, that sounds right. But so, like, Hermione is emotionally invested in it. But, like, Harry really, until very late in the game, is just like, wow, Ron's being so embarrassing. He's got this, <laughs> like, crush that happens on Cho, but, like, he doesn't really catch any sort of meaningful feelings at all until i mean whatever cedric and all of that but until he starts really feeling for jenny and that's a long time from now yeah and it seems like yeah ron's like making out and like yes fucking sex and like growing to a million feet tall super fast <laughs> and i think he's just he his hormones are just doing a number on him <laughs> yeah harry either luckily or maybe just neutrally uh, doesn't have to deal with quite yet. That is true. Poor Ron. (laughs) Yeah. It's a hard time. I mean, as someone who's going, who has gone through second puberty, you know. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Vila. Do you have other Vila stuff? Uh, I actually don't. I, I do have one more thing though. Okay. Which is how the fuck bigger house elves. Because Amos is like cradling Winky in his arms, and she's Winky's obviously tall enough to have been stunned when the stunners went off, but also house elves aren't adult like people adult sized. So, I mean, again, one of those like, how, wait, how big? How big is a house Because all of your descriptions are very contradictory. Interesting. I'm sure that we get a size description of Dobby, right? I thought we did too, but I like honestly don't remember. I feel like they're small child sized, but that raises, I mean, your point is a really good one about her getting hit with a stunner unless she was like standing on something, which maybe she was. Maybe she was standing on Barty Crouch Jr. being like, sit the fuck down, stop casting spells. You need to chill out, my dude. I'm now just imagining her, like, perch on his arm, like, beating his chest, being like, stop the fuck, stop the fuck, stop it, stop it, no! Yeah. Yeah. All right, my last thing. We see 
bagmen apparate with a small pop. So, so far we have seen Dumbledore apparate silently. We have seen multiple people apparate with a loud crack. And now we've seen Bagman apparate with a pop. Can, is this like, like, can you practice? If it's important to you to be able to apparate without making a noise, can you like put time and effort into practicing until you can apparate noiselessly? Maybe. Or maybe it's like an epigenetic thing where you're just not going to know until you try and you're like, oh, I can just apparate with a small sound. Hmm. True. I kind of like the idea of it being something you can practice because it really lines up with Ludo's like shady, like back alley gambling thing where it'd be like, oh, he's yeah. really not very good at anything, but he does spend hours practicing how to operate without making any noise. He knows how to hit a bat at other people on a broom and he knows how to operate as quietly as possible. <laughs> yep. Uh... Oh, Ludo. <laughs> what a... What a mess of a human you are. <laughs> Our darling cheese-faced himbo. It's just, it's kind of refreshing in this book just to have some dude who's just like, just running a common scam. Like, he's just not, it's, it's not like this huge overarching plot. He's just a really bad scammer because he's aged, because he's, his athletic glory days are over. Yeah. Uh, uh he live i mean i feel like yeah he's gotta be such a like adrenaline junkie to have been a fucking beater now he's all you know can't do that anymore he's got to get his kicks some other way and really bad gambling decisions is the way he's chosen i'm about to say this is how you get eaten by goblins my dude i don't know if goblins eat people in this world but why not i don't know probably would have heard about it if they do i feel like but Definitely how you get taken out by goblins. Thank you for listening to this episode of Gaily Prophet. This podcast and our other podcasts are all creations of Hashtag Ruthless Productions and are produced, mixed, and edited by me. And you should definitely check out our podcast about the Simon Snow series by Rainbow Rowell, which is called Escape from Reality, which is spelled E-S-G-A-Y-P-E. Yeah, get your uh, magical school fix in a not fucked up way. Um, also, if you want to support this here two-person run podcast operation, you can uh, tell your friends about this podcast. More people who know, the more odds that we get of having a rich patron, which isn't that just the dream. <laughs> uh, you can also follow us on Instagram and Twitter at The Gaily Prophet. You should also rate and review us on iTunes, which is also how more people know that we are a quality show that they should listen to. And as we discussed earlier, we have new merch you can also purchase. If you are so inclined, it's great. Get your going back to school, going back to work, slash staying at home with your pets, merch. You know, you want it. You need to throw your parents into the sun throw pillow. Probably. To cry on as COVID stays forever and ever. Or to ba- or to passively, aggressively leave in your parents' house, whichever one. <laughs> Both. All of the above. You can also support us on Patreon where we have a variety of extra content. You can get longer episodes of this podcast and Escape from Reality. You can listen to our Patreon-exclusive Buffy podcast, We Are the Gayers, 
along with a plethora of other cool patreon exclusive content that we put a lot of work into heck yeah if you want to find me on the internet i can be found on my website which is larkmalachi.com or on instagram where i am at larkmalachi uh you can also find me on the internet on twitter at jesse underscore detroit or on instagram at live from detroit our show art is by theo julian forrester the music and our theme song is by kevin mcleod and until next time yeah, shit, I don't know.